Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rod Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Here we go. What's going on, Geek Vibes Nation? Welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live Review, where we will be breaking down Amazon Prime's newest hit show, The Boys. I'm your host, Juwan, and I'm joined by the best wingman or wingwoman in the game. (laughs) Tia, what's going on, Tia? What up, Joanne? Really happy to be here with you tonight and talk about the boys. As we were just saying before, um, it was incredibly easy to binge watch, and I have to say, I think right now it's like within my top three, maybe, of superhero TV shows. Yeah, it's 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 high. I, I don't want to rank it yet. See, all right. My issue to you with ranking is that. Um, I have a very addictive personality, um, so it's like when Titan Season 2 comes out in like a month, uh, I know I'm going to say that is my favorite thing. And then if one of the CW shows are really good, I'm going to go, that is my favorite thing. So instead of continuously jumping, I'm going to at least wait till some of these other shows are like out and finished, um, at least with their season, and then I can kind of look back at it and go, yeah, The Boys was better than all of it. You know, because um, I'm still on Swamp Thing. I haven't finished that. Watchmen also comes out. So it's like right now I think I could say um, that this is really high on my list. Doom Patrol, uh, it's hard to top that. I love Titans. I get how other people didn't. Um, but, yeah, this is really high. And I think what I love most about it is that it found a way, just like Doom Patrol and Titans, um, to be super grounded. Uh, and I think that's very difficult to do with a story that's that's in fantasy as much as a superhero show, um, you know, is, is supposed to be centered. Um, but let, let's get right into this, Tia. I want to start with asking you, because I want to get this out of the way, because I don't think me and you have many, if at all. Um, but what what were some of the negatives that you had uh, for this show? Well, I definitely have to say that one of the negatives, obviously, were was the fact that there was only eight episodes. I know that's kind of a lame and negative, but I could have at least done ten. I know that we've talked about in the past that these TV series should uh, shorten their season so not to put so much filler into it, but then it mm-hmm. comes to the point where it, maybe it's a, a too little. There were a lot of things that could have been touched upon 
um, Black Noir was one of the characters in this show that I wanted to know more about, but I feel like with everything else going on, they didn't really get to touch upon that. And I read a little of his backstory from the comics, and I'm not going to reveal too much because I don't want it necessarily to be a spoiler, but none of that was touched upon in the show. And it's probably because we had all the other storylines happening and there was no room for that. Right now, I mean, I guess, and maybe it's because I'm just coming off of my, like, high from this series, there really, there's not a lot of negatives because with certain characters where you thought that maybe it can go into a cliche uh, cliche route, it didn't. Um, A lot of characters seem very fleshed out to me, so I Right now, I don't have any negatives to say. I'm sure as we go on with the review show, maybe there will be a few things that I'll point out and say, you know what, yeah, they could have done that a little differently. I would have liked that instead. But right now, off the top of my head, nothing stood out to me so much that I said I really didn't like that. Um, With eight episodes, uh, the thing, to me, the biggest issue I have is anytime you're a show about superheroes or a show about someone with superpowers. Um, To me, that's action. And what I never usually want from my action shows or movies is an oversaturation of story Um, because we're here for the visuals. We want to see the visuals. We want to see the guy fly. We want to see him use his his lasers, him fight. Um, So I think when you oversaturate it with story, it just kind of, it dulls it down. Um, so eight episodes to me kind of, you know, forces you to kind of trim out all the extra story um, and kind of just focus on hitting really hard in those eight episodes. Stranger Things season one was very short, but it made sure it hit on every mark. Um, so to me, it's, it's doable. The reason why the Netflix shows didn't really seem like it could work with just eight is because it wasn't telling one person's story. It was telling so many different people's stories. So it's like if you shrink it to eight, I feel like you're going to rush it. Um, which you know, is what but, they I mean, did with which is what they yes. did with The Defenders. Um, that needed to be more than eight episodes. But I will say my uh, mind was changed a little, and not to get too much into the Netflix uh, series, but Iron Fist Season 2 was only ten episodes. And I was okay with that. So if they had wanted to make it where those were only 10 episodes, fine. But as you said, when they're telling the story of multiple characters, you do need just maybe a little more than just six or eight episodes. Yeah, and Black Noir, I think they did that on purpose. I'm going to say they did it on purpose. Uh, I think he's going to have a big arc in season two um, for us to know a lot more about him. He does not talk. Is that by design, or is it just because he can't? Um, There's a lot that we will find out, uh, and I can't wait um, to hear more about his story. I personally, and this is just my bias to heroes like Batman and Snake Eyes, which Black Noir was was a combination of of both of those guys. Um, To me, he needs a weapon. Like, you can't just tell me he's throwing these, these little daggers or whatever, so I'm, I'm hoping there's more to him. Um, and maybe that's what they couldn't really figure out what they wanted to do with him in season one, so 
So they're giving themselves kind of space to go into season two where you can kind of do more because now you had more time to, you know, kind of flesh them out, figure out different ideas you want for a power set, um, and then go with it. But to me, um, you not really using them that much makes me think that it was more so on purpose than it was that um, it was just a character that – because to me, if it was a character that was, like, throwaway, he would have died. Uh, they would have just well, killed the them all. Is, like, go ahead. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but the thing is, if you actually, because obviously this is based on a comic, if you read who he really is in the comic, it's going to blow your mind. It's pretty insane. He's a pretty significant character with a pretty significant skill set and a surprise. I don't know if they're going to go in that direction for the show because um, they're going to have to do some technical, you know, edits and everything like that and sh- shit like that. But it's pretty crazy what you find out Black Noir really is in the comics. Yeah, uh, we actually have AJ on the line. AJ, is that you? Yo, what's up? What's up? AJ! What's going on? (laughs) What's going on? I, um, before I pass it to you, AJ, I just want to respond to what Tia was saying, but I didn't want to continuously just have you, like, waiting in the, in the wings. No, it's all good. Um, I'll say, I'll say this. The biggest thing about comics that I've never read, uh, being adapted to shows or movies, I don't ever want to read it, um, only because I'll set expectations. And I think when I do that for myself, it never ends well because I'm like, all right, well, this is what I want them to do. And then they're thinking, well, this is what we realistically can do. Um, And then if it doesn't line up with what my expectations are, I'll be upset. So I think the best thing for me is to know nothing about any of these characters so I can enjoy the show for what it is. I'm sure. Would it be cool, too, if they do something that's, a callback to, to one of the older comics or something, um, you know, me being aware of it, sure. Um, but to me, I've just seen it way too many times, um, reading the book first then seeing the movie. That's why I suggest to everyone that might have read the Harry Potter books or read Game of Thrones or read any of that stuff, it's like I may suggest to you, like, if you're just getting into it, watch the show first, then read the book um, so you're not so down on yourself while you're watching it because Everything you just read isn't necessarily happening. Um, so I think I want to know as little as possible about these characters and just let my introduction to them be through the show. And then, like, let's say if it only lasts three seasons, after the third season, I can go back, read all the comics, and kind of see what they hit, what they didn't hit, what they missed out on, what could have been. Um, I just know how I am. So it's like the little I know, the better. Um, excuse me, but AJ, before I go into any of my negatives, I am really curious. You were not high on this show at all. I believe you also said you didn't, you couldn't even finish it. Um, so what were some of the biggest things that bothered you, um, about the voice? See, uh, you were talking about expectations and all of that. And I feel like that's probably one of my biggest problems was, is that, I expected way too much out of the show because everybody was hyping it up a whole lot, even even calling it like it's almost as good as the Injustice storyline and all of that. I guess my expectations were like way too high. Um, 
one of my biggest issues other than that was that it felt inorganic in a way. Like it, it didn't feel it didn't feel like it was fresh to me. I don't I don't know why, but it just felt weird, really off. Um, maybe because it, it for me it looked more um was it. It felt more fan made than anything, even though I know it's not fan made. Um, what else? I just felt like I like I what I like about it is that I like the premise that power can corrupt. I really I really like that premise and all, but for me, I just felt like this was trying too hard um, for um to let like. We our so called heroes are corrupted and they're not what they're meant to be and all of that. So I yeah, so I like that premise, but I just felt like what's the word? I just felt like I don't know. I just felt like it was meh. <laughs> I, I don't know the specific <laughs> word for it. Uh, as I was watching it, like I liked episode one, where they introduced the characters and all of that. But as it went along, it just felt. I guess, I, like I said before, I guess it was just my expectations were, like really high. I just felt like it would have been more. Um, it was try. It was trying too hard for me. That's probably the main reason why I didn't like it as much as everybody yeah. else did. Now, well, AJ, you, go ahead. When, go ahead you, when, when you say that it felt ma- uh, fan-made, do you mean, like, the costumes? Because I can see that, where, like, the costumes yeah. look a little bit more cosplay. Like, the production, the production for me just felt, just felt fan-made. So, like, the costumes and everything else within the show, it, it did feel like a fan made it instead of like a big production and you know how like Game of Thrones and even Euphoria, it feels like it's organic in its own scenery and all of that. It it for this it just didn't feel like that for me. Maybe because I'm getting spoiled with big budget T V series and all that, but yeah, it just felt really off to me. It almost so reminded me of like the costumes from, say, Titans Season 1. Not all of them, but, like, Hawk and Dove, to me, looked a little cosplay-ish. And even, and you guys are going to knock the hell out of me right now for saying this, but the movie Watchmen almost seems a little cosplay-ish because, to me, when you have stuff like that or this or whatever, um, because sometimes it's, you know, a parody of, Superman or in Captain America, the bigger name ones, and it's just a variation of that. It seems a little like cosplayish, and so I'm what I'm really trying to get though at AJ is that I can't understand what where he's coming from and saying that that felt a little fan made, but I almost understood it for the purpose of the show. See, like you were saying with like Superman, that's basically all I saw. Is Wonder Woman, Superman, um, yeah, that that's all I saw. Larry different, yeah. I just saw the injustice, and I, I guess it bothered me so much that I just I was over it. 
after like episode four. Yeah, I I suspended um, that that idea from from my head comparing it um, only because when you see Namor, Namor is gonna feel like Aquaman. Um, you know, if they ever introduce, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Spectre, uh, not Spectre, I'm sorry. Um, oh, I can't think of his name at, at the moment, but there's a few characters in Marvel that are quite similar to Superman. Um, those characters are going to feel similar, but it's about the execution of it. That's why I said, if I'm Marvel, I'm not waiting to give a Namor movie based off of, I don't yeah. want people thinking I'm just trying to recreate Aquaman. That's not my problem. Like They're obviously two completely different characters whose power sets are, are, are the only thing that's similar. Um, so to me, I, I just, I saw it. Did she look like, you know, she was cosplaying as Wonder Woman? Yeah. But I mean, that was the only character I felt that kind of just, they could have done something to kind of make her stand out more so she didn't look just like Wonder Woman. Um, but outside of that, I really didn't feel, I, Black Noir didn't feel like Batman. Um, what's his name? Uh, the one who could fly. I can't think of the character's name. But oh, I told myself I was Homelander. Homelander felt like he was the... Sorry. He felt like the love the love child between Superman and Captain America, because there's even at one point <laughs> where Homelander says, hey, remember uh, you wanted to give me an all-red cape and I insisted on the flag? Well, who has a blue costume with a red cape? Superman. <laughs> well, I will say, I'm trying to think of the um, the animated movie. I'm trying to bring it up now. There was a Justice League animated movie where they were facing like an alternate reality of themselves. Um, war. And Homelander said, "No, not war. War was when they were um, someone was using Batman oh, yeah. uh, protocols yeah. against them." Um, I- I'll find it at some point. But the point I'm trying to make is Homelander seemed more like that Elseworld Superman, um, who was called Ultraman or something along those lines. But that's what I would compare it to more uh, because that's what it felt like. But to me, I didn't feel like he was Captain America. I didn't feel like he was Superman. I felt like they were trying to create – like if you think about it, Captain America is supposed to be a symbol. Superman is supposed to be a symbol. He kind of seemed like he was supposed to be their symbol. So, of course, there's going to be similarities between um, the two of those characters. They're the most iconic of their, you know, their the comic counterparts in the idea of being symbolic. But at no point, like I said, did I, did I ever feel like, oh, Justice League Crisis of Two Earths. That's what it was called. Um, and I'm trying to see what the other character's name was because that's the guy that he reminded me of. But regardless, my point is, I didn't ever feel like that. Bizarro? It all felt like. Say it again. Bizarro? No, 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 no. Not Bizarro. Oh, my God. It sounds like you guys haven't seen this movie. You guys have to see this movie. It's freaking amazing. Um, it is Ultraman. It is Ultraman. Yeah, that is his name. It was Ultraman. Um, that's who he felt like. That and if, if you guys look up Ultraman, he almost looked like him a little bit also. Um, but no, what I felt from this was it was very um organic. It also felt authentic. Um, and I would say I 
think what I would say is a negative with two things. One, I don't think you should have revealed how everyone got their powers. Um, I think it was something you should have held held on to. Um, because if you're telling us that they weren't born heroes, they were made, it kind of then makes me think season two, you're going to just start using that to create your own heroes um, to replace the heroes that might die. And to me, that, that could be something that just spins off into something really unwatchable. Um, so that was one of my biggest issues. Like, to me, I think this would have been a better story if you were saying, excuse me, a select few. Like, um, you guys remember how the Umbrella Academy was. There was all these children that were born with superpowers. Like, it just wasn't everyone um, in the world. It was a select few. Um, I like the idea of that because it seems like they're chosen, and then they chose to go down the wrong path. Um, and then you just kind of hope that one of them kind of spins off, becomes the good one. Uh, but that was one of my issues. And also, I kind of felt like as the season progressed, they started to pay less and less attention to characters that weren't. Um, see, I forgot his name again already. I knew I was going to do that. Um, <laughs> Homelander? Homelander. Homelander and the um, the Wonder Woman uh, ripoff. Everyone else hey. kind of just felt like, yes, everyone else just kind of felt like they were, you know, just, we'll get to you if we can. Like the whole story of the guy that could, uh, that was pretty much like their Aquaman, all of that confused me. I'm like, what are you what are you doing with his character? Like, what's happening here? Um, See, so that, go ahead. I kind of loved what they did with the deep, but I'll let you continue before I even get into that. Yeah, to me, it just, I mean, I thought uh, the actor Chase Crawford, Tia, uh, I believe you did the um, article about him earlier today. Um mm-hmm. I didn't have an issue with his character. I just had an issue with it just didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do with him. Um, so it kind of was just like here, kind of just really be over here, uh, and we'll figure it out when we can. Um, Black Noir, we already said that. Um, you know, that obviously they could have done more with him. Um, I'm trying to think. It's funny because uh, Billy, Huey, um, Frenchie, and Mother's Milk, still the weirdest name ever. Um, <laughs> I thought every last one of them were perfect. And I think they because were they, were all, they were all so well, it kind of balanced the fact that I wasn't that blown away by Homelander, Queen Maeve, The Deep, um, Black Noir, and um, what was the invisible one? I feel like it's Translucent. 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 Kind of felt like they just kind of went by the wayside. Um, but yeah, th- those are my biggest issues. Um, Tia, I'm sorry, you you were going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I really liked what they did with the characters of Deep because, um, it, when you first meet him, right, and AJ's obviously seen the first episode, so you first meet him and he seems like this really great celebrity and he's walking starlight through everything and then it's like, oh, no, he's just a predator pretty much using his stance and stature to get sexual favors. And you realize that this is something that he's done previously. And I thought it was um, really a social commentary on if you have power and you have money, then there 
the corporate uh, operations are so easy to sweep that all under the rug. And instead of anything really of consequence happening to him, he just gets sent off so that he's not anyone's problem anymore. And it's his actions finally having consequences that he was in the seven, he was so well-known, so popular, and then gets sent off to this rinky-dink little town in the middle of nowhere and essentially finds out that he's a joke. And that even in on itself to me felt like a commentary because we can all say that before Jason Momoa became Aquaman, Aquaman was a bit of a joke. So I liked it in the sense that it felt like a character getting his just desserts for being essentially a sexual predator. So I guess maybe even as like a woman watching it, I was almost pleased to see that he was becoming more and more pathetic. And in the article, it was saying that that scene wasn't originally in the script, him uh, making Starlight do what she did to him. That was added later on. And Kanan even backed it up that that storyline was more so Homelander's storyline in the comics, but they decided to add it to the deep. Um, The actor Chase Crawford was very uncomfortable filming that he said, um, just because he didn't realize that that was going to be an aspect of his storyline. Yeah, I mean, we could say Homelander might have done that also with Billy's wife. I mean, we did not see that she willingly, like, we don't know if he pressured her. We don't know if he threatened her. We don't know. All we know is she walked in the room and then she walked out. Um, Right. We don't know. And Homelander does seem like the one who kind of wants things to go his way. Um, So I wouldn't be shocked if that were uh, a storyline that they went with. Um, I just think whenever you do something like that, it's a very slippery slope um, because it has to be made to where um, it's done right. And it's not forced. It's not done as a throwaway because it's meaningful to explain um, how horrible of a situation that is. I will say it was really weird to watch the whole guild uh, oh scene. My like, that, God. Was, that was very cringeworthy. <laughs> that made um, me a- cringe so hard. <laughs> yeah, AJ, you didn't get to that part, but it was I'll, – I'll just say it was this woman who definitely got her rocks off by putting her hands in his guild and hurting him. It was very <laughs> hard to watch that. Very difficult. Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, yeah, now I will say if you know Seth Rogen and you've watched um, The Preacher, or you watch Preacher, mm-hmm. I think it's just called yeah, Preacher. Yeah, I do. Um, that show tends to get really weird, uh, and this followed suit. This, in times, was very weird. Uh, like, the fact that a character's name is Mother's Milk is weird. Like, it's just, it, it is. Um, but, um but they did a very nice job making the main characters, like Huey and them, uh, very entertaining. Like Huey, I love Huey's characters. We're going to start getting into um, some of the things that we did like. Um, Huey was a standout for me. I mean, obviously, you guys know how much of a stand I am for Carl Urban, so that's my ultimate standout is Carl Urban. But Huey's character um, definitely did something I was hoping his character would do that I kind of felt like they were doing 
from the first episode, it was breaking him down as much as you can for him to rebuild himself back up. Um, and I like when they take stories of, because let's be real, not every guy is the super strong, oh, I could I could punch this guy in his face like because I'm super strong and, and big. That's not what every guy is. And to be even clear, I think this newer generation coming up is going to be way more like Huey than they will Billy. Um, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Uh, I just love seeing the progression of Huey's character and seeing him kind of come into his own. Um, he is a bit douchey, but, I mean, his dad is such a pushover. Um, it makes sense <laughs> that Huey was exactly the kind of person that he uh, he was. But, um, Otia, before I go to you, AJ, while you're still on with this, um, I, I am curious, was there anything you did like in the yes, first uh, four episodes? Okay, go ahead. I did. Let's hear it. Um, you guys were talking about the storyline with um, what the deep and starlight. That's actually yes. one of the storylines I actually enjoyed. Um, it reminded me of um, female theories actually, where where the men are the predators and the female um, some of the females are. The um was what is the what is it called the prey, and they're only used for a sex. They're only used for like sexual for the men and all that. And so um even the women um they try to become part of the team by having sex, and I I just really like that because it just shows the it just shows how our world the our actual world is where women are are being used sexually to so they can become better in a way. I'm trying to uh, phrase this in a way that people won't get mad at me. Um I just feel like this is a this is a storyline that should be spoken about a lot more than it is now because Women are always being abused and getting, they're getting um, taken, what's it called, taken advantage of. And I just feel like it, it, this can be in the um, same as the other way around. So I guess that's actually a negative as well because not all men are predators and not all women are prey. So I, would, I will say that this storyline itself, I actually did enjoy, but everything else around it, I just, it was just, eh. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was letting you, you, uh, climb yourself out of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> AJ, I was trying my best not to interrupt you so you could fully kind of get your, your, uh, your, your thoughts out there. But, um, like I said, it's a very touchy subject. Um, but a very important one. It's not one I want any any director or actor to shy away from because it's real. Um, but like I said, it's very easy to mess it up to where you you um you offend people. And what I don't want is for it to ever kind of seem like you, you have an agenda. You're, you're doing it just to do it. Um, it can be overly done. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I even thought the Watchmen, to a degree, kind of, kind of went that way, to where it was just like, 
not really needed, like not really needed at all. But, I mean, Zach had an overall plan for that. And you could say that it kind of, you know, formatted itself to where it uh it made sense. But, um, but no, this, this was important. And I'm really proud of the, uh, the actress who portrayed the, the character. Starlight? Uh, I yeah, I actually, is, I like her. I think her name is Erin. Um, she was actually in the first season of, yes, she was in the first season of Jessica Jones playing mm-hmm. a character quite similar, um, to Starlight, uh, except obviously she didn't have superpowers, but she was someone that was being used, um, by the Purple Man. Uh, so it immediately made me think, like, they obviously saw her in Jessica Jones season one and were like, we can kind of use that, use that a little bit. Um, and she's a phenomenal actress. I think she's a really, really, really good actress that I want to see do more roles. Um, but I do like the power that she empowered herself. Um, um, I will kind of, yeah, go ahead, Tia. And I'm sorry to interject. I just wanted to get this out really quick because um, it touches upon this, and obviously I don't want our whole review to be on it. But to me, again, it was very telling what they did in that first episode with Starlight and the Deep because I went to school for journalism. And in one of my journalism classes, my teacher, who is a woman, literally said that for women wanting to get into the journalism industry and the entertainment industry, that most likely we would have to, quote-unquote, sleep our way to the top or that men would use that, you know, to their position to get, you know, so that we could uh, do that for ourselves. And which is horrifying, you know, every young woman, including myself in that class, was sitting there going, what? Um, But that's what it touched upon. Jadeep said, you want to be a star, right? You don't want to let all these people down. You don't want to let these kids down. You don't want to let your mother down. So you're going to have to do this then. So to me, it just was like uh, very much touching upon all of that, Um, very much like the Harvey Weinstein controversy. So it it just felt very real. And considering this was a show that was treating superhero uh, fame like celebrities and actors, I thought that made sense to throw that in. Yeah, I mean – we also see it from child stars. Uh, we see it to where there, uh, we saw it in Jessica Jones season two. Uh, Trish spoke about it a lot um, mm-hmm. to where you have a parent who kind of just wants you to be that star, wants you to kind of get them out of whatever situation they're in in life. Uh, and they'll do anything to keep you in that spotlight. Um, and we saw that Trish had a few instances that she shouldn't have been in, but to be a star, unfortunately, there's some uh, creeps you have to deal with. We also saw Rita go through it in um, mm-hmm. Doom Patrol. So we know how real it is, and that's why I said I don't want any director, showrunner, writer, actor to shy away from it because it's so real. Um, and it just did do a good job of, of playing off that. Um, but that's all I'm going to give to it because I now feel like I'm weirdly talking myself into a hole uh, <laughs> that I don't want to be in. Um, but no, it, it's something that's very necessary. And I did not think we would see it as much in superhero uh, shows and movies as we have over the past few decades. But 
you got to get the message out there somehow. And if superhero movies is what people see in abundance of, then you put it in that um, to bring awareness to it. So bravo to the boys. Um, that was definitely really dope. Now, um, AJ, anything else that that uh, that you like? Mm, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Y'all can keep talking while I'm thinking. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I wanted to go back to something I did not like because I, I forgot to to bring it up, uh, Tia. And mm-hmm. it was um, A Train. I, I don't like the actor. I've seen the actor in a few things. I do not think he is a good actor. Uh, I forgot <laughs> to mention him. Um, when I was mentioning the other heroes, I, I, I said to myself, I knew I was forgetting someone. Um, I do not like A-Train. I think he is a very corny actor. I think he is a very one-dimensional actor um, who's obviously there to be the pretty boy. And, and anytime I see someone who's supposed to be a pretty boy who can't necessarily act, I'm like, you've given him way too many lines. Like, he shouldn't be speaking as much as he is. And that's how I felt the entire season for A-Train. Um, I did not like him, and I also did not like the weird dominatrix thing from his girlfriend. I thought that was incredibly (laughs) weird. Um, it was just, it was, what? Why? She killed him with with her butt? Like, I don't know. To me, I'm like, Seth Rogen smoked a lot during these these writing sessions. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, but... That was super weird to me. I did not like those two. Um, I don't want to say characters, because I think the characters were fine. I think the actors portraying them is what I didn't like. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to mention that, because I, I was forgetting about that, but I did not like the actor portraying A-Train. Let me re- give him respect by giving his actual name. Jesse T. Usher um, did not like him, not one bit. Uh, but, Tia, did you want to speak to that? And then you can go into some of the things you liked while um. AJ still thinking it over. No, I got. I I think I got it. This is actually. Um, oh, you got it. Yeah, this is actually a specific scene. Um, I think it was episode three, where Translucent was talking to um, what's his name, um, the main character, the one that girlfriend's died. The Huey. girlfriend died. Yeah, Huey was talking to him while um Translucent was in that um cage. I just want to speak on the cinematography of that scene specifically where it, like, slowly zooms into the cage and you can just see Translucent's face and it gets, like, so intense. I just really, I just want to, I don't know who did um did the cinematography for that. I just want to give that, <laughs> actually, I haven't looked that up. Whoever did the cinematography for that was, did an incredible job on that. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I'm completely with you on that. <laughs> I'm still just thinking about how much I dislike Adrian. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to pass it to you for you to give your thoughts on what me and AJ were saying, and then you can kind of get into uh, some of the things that you did like. Well, first of all, um, I never was convinced that A-Train really ever cared about softball. Um so that, you know, the whole time I was like, girl, like, stop uh, focusing on this guy right now because he is just kind of like a celebrity douche and he does not care about you at all. Um, that scene that you're referring to, Juwan, where she literally squishes that guy's head with her butt, um, 
probably the best thing, though, about that scene was, like, the boys watching it through the camera and their, the look of horror on their faces. I think for some reason that just, like, made me laugh so much. They were just horrified by that. And I was like, and I was like, oh, this is a scene from the trailer where she smushes his face. This is where we're getting at. Um, and she kind of just was taking things very extreme, being, I guess, this pseudo D-list superhero who all she really can do is have claws out of her arms, and she's in love with this guy who clearly just isn't interested in going public with her. But And as AJ said, that was a very good scene. I ended up really liking Translucent as, like, those episodes went on and was kind of sad that he was spilled off so quickly because he might have been a much more interesting character if he was developed a little bit more. So that was uh, maybe the one thing there. But definitely uh, the cinematography was really good in that scene. Um, And as I said earlier, I really love the show. So there's a shit ton of things that I liked about it. I love the boys. Um, Frenchie and Mother's Milk has been maybe one of my favorite characters in the boys, um, obviously. Huey was great. My main thing about Huey is that he, his character could have went one way. He could have continued to be this whiny guy who obviously went through this horrific tragedy, but then just something about him as the show went on, just he was very endearing to me, and I really liked that he embraced wanting to become part of the boys, but then still kept his humanity because at one point, he even tells Butcher that enough is enough. You're putting everyone in danger, and for what? I understand that we both have lost people, but now you're putting Mother's Milk in a bad position who has a wife and a kid, and you're putting Frenchie in a bad position. And I like that that remained there. He didn't just completely go balls to the wall exactly like Butcher. He kept some of himself, and I like the friendship slash relationship that developed between him and Starlight because it wasn't perfect. There were lies that the two of them were saying to each other and holding back from each other, but eventually that came to a point of understanding, and I really enjoyed that storyline in on itself. As I said, Carl Urban does not get the praise that he deserves. I thought that he was hilarious. And in many retrospects, he wasn't always very moral. Like, the one scene that stands out to me is when he finds out that Mesmer, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but that guy is the same kid from Sixth Sense, you know, I See Dead People, dude, which is hilarious. I love that they had that, like, Comic-Con scene with them signing autographs and shit. But when Butcher finds out that Mesmer essentially ratted them out to Homelander and he meets him in the bathroom and he puts his hands on Mesmer's face and obviously Mesmer is seeing everything that Butcher wants to do to him and the fear in Mesmer's eyes when he's like, I have a daughter and Butcher doesn't care. He just takes his face and slams it over and over and over again into the sink. I had to look away at that point. That got a little too gruesome for me. And that just 
there were so many scenes like that. Um, I'm sure if, and tell me if I'm wrong, if we're going to talk about the plane scene a little later, but to me, there was so much in this show that I enjoyed. I even liked, uh, I liked Queen Maeve. I liked that she really wasn't as far as everyone else in the show, that she wasn't really as bad as everyone else. She was just worn down. She was just worn down because she saw the reality of everything, and she got into this superhero gig thinking that it was one way, and it just it burnt her out. And I like that she essentially told Starlight at the end, don't let it burn you out as well. And I like that. I saw things online where people were saying, oh, she was just forgiving Homelander. She wasn't forgiving Homelander. We saw it plenty of times that she was uncomfortable with Homelander when he, you know, caressed her a little too hard and he was having that possessiveness and she was always trying to get away from it. It's just that she knew how powerful Homelander was, so she had to be in this position of trying to kind of make everything even all the time. And she even stood up for Starlight in that moment. I, I don't know. that I'm rambling at this point, so please save me, Juwan. But um, there's just so many things. There's just so many things. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'll say Queen Maeve was not, uh, was not a bad character. Um, she was a very flawed individual. Um, but obviously that's what they wanted her to be. Uh, we saw the moment where she ran into, well, not ran into, but she went to go visit her ex, um, and she kind of broke down um, because, yeah. you know, she did not want the event uh, that happened in the airplane to happen, and it did seem like it really started to break her. Uh, it seemed like it broke her when um, uh, Highlander, uh, Homelander, sorry, Homelander <laughs> killed the, um, the guy that was shooting in, in, in the building. She kind of seemed like yeah. she was hoping they could just knock him out and then, you know, give him to the cops. So, I mean, there's a lot about her character that you can look at and kind of just go, yeah, this, she does not seem like she's really as bad as the others. Like, the only one who was unredeemable, really, um, seemed to have been uh, Homeland. Uh, but, yeah, I will say one thing to the writers for these characters. They really found ways to make them super weird. Homelander... Uh, wanting like oh. a mommy from from uh, so Madeline uh, Stillwell, and then you had um, Translucent who just liked to sit in the bathroom naked and watch people, um, and then you had uh, the Deep who was just weird in his own uh, perverted ways, and then the only person who seemed like he was normal. Black Noir, but we don't know anything about him. I, so it's like, I, I mean, he could that, be super weird. I love that scene when Homelander has um, all of them, well, not all of them, but, you know, the ones who are left in the room, and he's like, you are all such a great big disappointment, except you, Black Noir, you've been perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, what does he do that he's so perfect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but see, that's that's what I think the joke is. I think because he does nothing, he doesn't get in trouble. He doesn't put himself out there. He's not doing anything that Homelander would have to clean up. That's what it's like. Except for you, buddy, you're you're over there doing nothing every day, and I love it. I love you staying you staying out of trouble, man. Um, but yeah, 
everyone that they wrote for superhero-wise, they're all weird, just, like, super. Like, translucent, naked in the bathroom, watching people, that is so, so weird. weird. Like, who does that? Um, but, no, it, it, it was really fun to kind of see these other characters outside of Homelander develop. Um, but, AJ, unless you had something to add, um, Tia, you can go right into the, uh, the, the plane scene. Oh, okay. Um, by the way, really quick, I don't know, I'm just, like, thinking of things right now. There is one thing that I feel like the internet, the internet hates, and it's flawed characters. Because I see that with American Gods, with Laura Moon. People can't stand her for the simple fact that she is flawed. And it's like, not everyone has their shit together. So that's my little defense of Queen Maeve there. Um, she doesn't need to be this, like, shining bright, like, symbol for you to like her. She's incredibly flawed, and that's okay. But, yeah, that plane scene was crazy because Brittany had seen that before me. She was a little ahead of me, and then she just hasn't finished it. But she was like, she was like, there's a plane scene, and it traumatized me. I was like, I thought she was talking about the plane scene in the first episode where freaking Homelander lasered the plane. But, um, to me, that was the, like, rawest, most stark moment in the entire series. When they go up there and they seemingly seem to have saved everyone and everything's fine. And you know in the back of your head that something isn't right. It couldn't have been that easy. And then obviously they get in there and there's one other terrorist who's in the cockpit and in taking him down, Homelander has destroyed the the control panel, which Homelander needs to get his shit together with those laser eyes, all right? They seem to cause a lot of problems. But that happens. <laughs> and, just, and just the fact that, like, just a few seconds ago, everyone was cheering them on because they were going to be saved, and Homelander is still sitting there with his thumbs up, everything's great, we're just doing this, and then him saying to me, all right, we got to go, and she, and just the look on her face where she's like, we have to save them, and he's like, there's nothing we can do, and the little bit of, you were sitting there just kind of hoping that something was going to be, you know, capable of of saving these people, I mean, it was to me, heartbreaking. She was just begging him, like, uh, take one down, one by one. And he's like, what, 123 times? He's like, let's go. And even that moment where then he becomes unhinged, where he's like, I'll laser every single one of you. And just the mother who was begging Maeve to, like, take her daughter and the fact that Homelander didn't want to do that just for the simple fact that, well, then they're witnesses that will be able to tell what really happened. It, to me, it's just it, it was it was really powerful and really sad and tragic. And to me, I could see that in the actor's eyes, and I thought that that was brilliant. And just like the one last thing is when Homelander says to Queen Maeve, he says, "You don't want to die here because he can fly, she can't. So she stays on the plane. She's you know fucked as well." To me, seeing that plane go down was heartbreaking because you just saw who's going to die in it. You saw that there's a little girl in it. You saw that there's these people who were 
scared for their life. So I, I don't know. I thought that the scene was incredibly well done because it got through the emotions that it was supposed to get through. Yeah, it was a powerful scene indeed. And I kind of do think um, Homelander was scared. Uh, yeah. I think he couldn't think of uh, a good enough way to save them, so he panicked and thought, I guess I'll just let them die. I will throw out there, maybe this is me just reaching, but I kind of feel like you could have let the plane start to to uh, to fall, and then as it started to fall, you fly, hold it, and kind of just guide yes. it down into the water. Um, I thought that too, because when she's like, oh, can't you listen? He goes, well, there's no ground to push off of, which was funny in a, in a dark way, because then it did kind of tell of all the scenes that we've always seen of, say, like Superman doing the same exact thing. But yeah, no, I was watching it and I was like, you could have done something. You could have, as you said, flown with it and then just, you know, guided it a little there was something that you could do. There were options. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where it's like he talked himself into a bad situation. I mean, he could have tried to save as many people as he could, um, and then if the plane crashes, you don't have to worry about them saying anything negative because, you know, they're just thankful they're alive. So they're going to tell the story of, you know, he tried his best. He saved, like, 20 of us out of the 100 and something that, you know, that, that there were. Um, and his, he would have been fine. Like, no one would have blamed him. Like, I mean, you can't save 100 and, what, 40-some people. Um, I think you talking in front of them, telling them that, hey, you guys might die. Like, might be it. Um, it's where you kind of then back yourself into a corner. Um, but to me, he could have found a way to save them. He didn't want he to. Um, yeah, he could have. And I think that was an important story to tell because we know – Superman would have risked his life even though a plane crash wouldn't have killed Superman. Um, he would have risked his life to save them. I mean, we saw in Iron Man 3, Stark finding a way. I mean, obviously it wasn't nearly uh, close to as many people as, as this, but he still found a way to save those people. Excuse it's me, because Homelander mm-hmm. wanted to use it as a marketing ploy. Look at as soon as that happened, he goes, we got there three minutes afterwards, and if the government, you know, let us into the military, something like this wouldn't be able to happen. And it's like, what? No, you you let that happen. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you. It, what's more confusing to me is, like, I get after the, um, the controls were, were lasered, uh, which to me is super confusing because if I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, Tia, um, he's bulletproof, so if the guy was threatening to shoot you, just let him shoot you. Um, and you walk up to him, you disarm him. Uh, oh no, he was he was trying to shoot one of the uh, the the pilot. the pilot. Yeah, that that's what it was. Why would you use your lasers knowing that you can't? I Homelander is such a complex character. But anyway, yeah, that is so stupid. Um, but yeah, I mean to me. I think he got scared, didn't know what to do, so he did what comes natural to him, and that was be a douche, um, and he let those people die. I think what made that scene the saddest was knowing that that little girl was just like, I, I, I don't want to die. Like, I'm so young. Oh um, and then us knowing, like, dang, she, she's about to die. Um, you know, that is what kind of drove it home 
um, or should have for the audience to kind of really drive in that, uh, you know, that sadness. But that was definitely a very important scene. I'd say it was more important for Queen Maeve than it was mm-hmm. for anyone else. Um, because it shows you that she's not liked, she's not really deep down like them at all. She's more like Starlight than, you know, than she wants to admit. Uh, she just kind of sees it for, you can't be this strong, uh, you know, uh, overly confident, uh, you know, woman on this team because they'll try to break you. Um, and I, I think deep down, she really knows that she does not want to keep doing what they've been doing. Um, and that was really important to show that they're not all like um, Homelander. Uh, but speaking of Starlight, see, I wanted to get into your thoughts on the character, how you like the progression of her character. Um, were there any dislikes of her character? Uh, what were your thoughts on Starlight? I really liked Starlight. Um, I love the whole superhero beauty pageant type of thing because it, that the whole thing between her and her mom really played into that trope that you see a lot on these pageant shows and hear from real-life girls who have been in that situation. And I like that she she was, yes, uh, innocent, and her, uh, whatchamacallit, she was uh, naive to how everything was in the superhero world, really, but she also really didn't take anybody's shit. I mean, she obviously, unfortunately, did what the Deep wanted her to do, but she wasn't happy about it. She even broke some TVs out of that. She didn't really sit there and quiver and cry. She told him right to his face, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here. Um, And I like the little tidbits of her character, how they tried to give her this, sexier costume that she was clearly uncomfortable with and she tells that one girl you know I like the old costume don't spend your money on a new costume you know you're so little don't be showing your boobs you know at that age like I don't even want to be doing this right now and even and even when they went to that Christian festival her at first telling Huey that these are her people and she enjoyed being there and it feels like being home, but even her seeing that there were these problems, like she sees that one uh, sign, one man, one woman equals marriage, and she's like, wait, this wasn't here always. And her mother's like, yeah, these people were always here. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, So (laughs) I... You know, I enjoyed that she still had backbone to her, despite being the new girl who is naive and innocent and really still believes in doing good and wanting to genuinely help people. I liked her relationship with Huey. I liked that that one point where he finally, like, confesses everything to her, and she's like, I'm leaving. I'm not even staying here to listen to you, you know, because you thought that it would go that way. And she's just like, I don't care anymore. But then obviously she comes back. And her powers were awesome. I loved how they did that, how her eyes glowed. She made everything kind of go like static electricity and light bursting and everything. I mean, there were some really cool shots, especially in the last episode of the season where they're fighting up against A-Train. That shit was fantastic. I thought that I would walk away not liking Starlight because I generally don't like those two good goody two-shoe characters, but she was so developed that 
it, it worked with her and you liked that about her because she was enough of still being, having positivity and a positive outlook in life, but also quickly becoming realistic. I mean, I like that she called Maeve out and then they had that great scene where Maeve's like, no, I really did break every bone in my arm. You know, don't be like me. Go be yourself. And she went off and was herself. So, yeah, no, she was definitely a standout of this season. I can't wait to see more of her in season two. Yeah, I really, really, really loved her character. And I think what the best thing was was that um, <clears throat> her character, excuse me, um, developed really well. Um, and she wasn't just the I'm broken, I need a guy to, you know, to kind of rebuild me back up. She kind of was just like, you know what? No, I kind of feel like he was using me. We know the the deep was was using her. Her mother was using her. The company is using her. I'm I'm sick of it. I, I'm I'm sick of it. If I'm gonna be a hero, it's gonna be on my turf. Um, and we kind of saw her end off that way with with helping Huey and them. Uh, when she kind of seemed like she was not gonna help them. Um, so I really did love love her character. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of the actress. I thought what she did in season one of Jessica Jones was amazing. I don't think it was talked about enough how how good of an actress she was in season one of, of Jessica Jones. Um, but, excuse me, speaking of Huey, I don't think we've talked about Huey enough. Simon Pegg being his dad was one of the most coolest things ever. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but you were saying you kind of you kind of saw how Huey could go one way, but kind of, you know, managed to not go that way. Uh, what is the biggest thing you want to see from Huey in, in, in season two? I want to see him kick a little ass, honestly. I mean, we saw those little badass moments where he killed Translucent, obviously, and then he was able to uh, free Mother's Milk and Frenchie. But I would like to see him be a little bit more badass in the second season, kind of do things his way. Like if he gets hooked back up with Butcher, he's like, all right, you're an ass and you need like help, but I'm going to take lead on this right now because you just need to sit down for a second. You're a little too jaded on things. So I would like to see that um, in the second season. I liked Huey. I loved it. And as you said, Simon Pegg being his dad, for a second, I didn't realize that they were supposed to be father and son because Simon Pegg doesn't look that old. You know, I know that he's older. I'm not sure what his exact age is, but I was like, oh, he's playing his dad? That's a little strange, but um, the dad was such a pushover, and you thought that maybe Huey would be like that, but he, he wasn't. He became so much more than just his father. Yeah, and... One thing that, that was super weird about his dad, well, not weird, but got annoying with how much of a pushover he was. Yeah. Um, to where it was kind of like, well, your girlfriend died. You just got to get over it. Like, there's nothing you can do. And it's like, well, no, he can do try to do something. I mean, you know, losing her like that. And what's crazy is, in actual law, being off the curb, uh, especially if the – you know, the walk sign isn't on, uh, you know, isn't on for you to walk. I think they would blame you in that situation if you did get hit by the by a car 
um, standing in the street. I mean, they would say, why was she standing in the street? Like, the curb is big enough. She could have been on the curb with you. Like, why was she in the street? Do you want to know what bothered me so much about that? I don't know why I focused so much. But when they were offering him money, they were like $45,000. And the dad's like, you know, Huey, that's a lot of money. You know, this can set us up. And I go, dude, you live in New York City. $45,000 is not anything. What are you no. talking about? They need, to, <laughs> they need to give you $45 million. So $45,000, are you kidding? Like, there are people living in shoeboxes making that per year. Um so I don't know why it was made to seem like that was such a big amount of money for New York City. That I don't know why that bothered the hell out of me. I'm like, you need to be making a few millions out of this. Yeah, to me, it, it, I was more curious on how they how they arrived on that number. Um, <laughs> such an odd number because yeah, it's just such a weird number. Like forty five thousand. It's like that's how much you think her life is worth to me. Like no, first of all. Her funeral is going to be stupid expensive. Uh, yeah. And then after that, you're telling me, you know, the rest of the the money is for, like, obviously my, my pain and suffering. Nah, you got to at least drop a cool two mil. Like, come on now. Like, mm-hmm. you're a company of superheroes. A cool two mil, I can live with that. I won't even, I won't even further investigate it. Cool two mil, but, uh, you know, have have a nice service for her, I move on. Um, yeah, that was one of you're a trillion dollar company. Like you can't spare a few more cents on that. You definitely could have at least offered me four hundred thousand dollars, like forty five thousand. Yeah. Come on, in New York, come on now. Um, but I will say that was one of my biggest issues with Huey was how fast he was able to move on with Starlight. Um, and, and what I thought they were trying to show was each time you would. Each time he was with Starlight, he would be haunted by, by his girlfriend. Um, and then once he, you know, felt comfortable enough with um, Starlight, uh, he would kind of not be haunted anymore. She would kind of let him go so he could be happy. It just kind of didn't feel like that. It kind of just felt like he was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not over my, my ex. I'm not my ex, but I'm not over my girlfriend. But I'm willing to sleep with Starlight just to, you know, kind of do what needs to be done to avenge my girlfriend. And it kind of just was like, I don't think that's what you should be doing. I don't think that's how that goes. Uh, Oh, I think – Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think that more time was going by in the show than we realized because there was a few times in their interactions where Starlight would say, well, you know, in the, in the past few months of me being there. So time has gone by um, during then. I don't know how long necessarily, but this isn't a show where in other shows you've seen, oh, it happened in the span of a few days. This has been a few months at the least. See, I didn't get that feeling. I didn't get that feeling at, at all. I kind of felt like it was weeks, if anything. Um, I never got that. And maybe it was something that kind of let us know that it was, uh, you know, like a few months later or a month later or something that I might have missed. So, you know, I want to throw that out there. Um, I, it just felt like it was such a continuation off of, when she had died, like it was maybe a week or two that had passed, if not just a few days. 
Um, so that's why I was kind of like, it kind of just feels too soon. Like you're just rushing to already sleeping with someone else. Um, not going to tell a person how to heal, but that I'd be upset if I died like that. And my girlfriend, like a few weeks later was with some other guy. I'd be like, that really sucks. <laughs> that really, really sucks. Um, but let's talk about our favorite guy to you, Carl Irving. What were your thoughts on Billy Butcher this season? Well, first of all, just um, for the ladies out there and guys, too, um, such a fan service. Let's just say that right now. With a beard, um, keep doing that, Carl. Keep doing that. But, sorry. Um, no, I, I love <laughs> how he, <laughs> he came on the scene and, you know, he's this gruff guy who obviously has this tortured past. And I love the whole concept that, he is this person that anytime he goes to see someone, they pretty much are saying, get away from me. You ruined my life once before. Please don't ruin it again. Um, but he just has this way of pulling people in. I mean, that Spice Girls pet talk was hilarious. And afterwards, when uh, Mother's Milk and Crunchy were saying that he was really the worst uh, pet talker ever. And it's like, yes, yes, he was. Um, but I loved him, how he was like this combination of just seeming like he really didn't care and that he was a little off balance in some points and even to the point where he hated superheroes and he hated people with abilities. Like he even said at some point when he first saw Mesmer where he was like, great, well now we're going to have to kill him. But then at the same time, like that scene where he picked up the baby and he's using the baby to laser those dudes in half, and he's like, oh, that was diabolical, and he, like, kisses the kid's head, and he's like, all right, <laughs> now, you know, <laughs> you be good now, or I'll come and, and stomp you, and it's like, what? And But then you get this, like, backstory of how he was utterly in love with his wife and how he was actually happy, and so obviously it was, the tragedy of that that kind of turned him into the person that he was to the point where he was willing to sacrifice everyone else's lives just for his own agenda. Um, and in that, you can say that he wasn't exactly, you know, it's like, it's like Frank Castle, right, the Punisher. Um, obviously, he has this mission, but it got to a point where you almost started thinking that, he was wrong in a lot of aspects because he was ruining other people's lives and he really didn't seem very apologetic for it. If anything, he was angry when other people didn't want to follow the same path that he was following. So, you know, you had those like two-sidedness with him and that final scene where he uh, blows up Madeline's house and I think I said to Kanan I go but what about the baby and Kanan's like yeah I'm pretty sure that baby's dead and I'm like every time something like that happened that McLean scene I got the same feeling like in that episode in the last season of Game of Thrones when uh you know Liliana Mormon was crushed to death I'm like they would do that to a child on screen why? Um, so I, if that's the case, I'm going to be a little pissed at uh, Butcher that he just did that. That baby has to have superpowers or something and survive that blast because I'm not going to be too happy with him. Um, 
And uh, I'm just really interested to see what they do in season two now that Butcher finds out that his wife is alive this whole time and there's a kid. So, you know, that's, he was a wonderfully complex character who just was played so well by Carl Urban. I mean, to me, I don't think that they could have gotten a better person for that role. Yeah, and his wife, played by Chantel Van Santine, Santin, however you pronounce her last name. Um, it was so good to see her. I remember her from Flash season two or three. That's, that's where yes. she's from. It was bothering she, the hell out of me where she was from. It was season two because it was the season with um, Hunter boom. Solomon in it. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's where she got the nickname Patty with the Fatty. Uh, yes. <laughs> which as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember saying out loud, oh, my God, that's Fatty with the Fatty. And <laughs> everyone was looking at me like, excuse me. And I'm like, if she ever heard that, I'm pretty sure she would not take that in a compliment kind of way. Um, oh, so it's, good to know her. It's, good, it's good to know her actual name. Uh, but no, that indeed is Patty with the Fatty. In case, in case anyone else is like, where, where do I know her from? She was in the flash. Um, so it was really good to see her, um, you know, because I thought she was amazing on the flash. So it was really good to kind of see her, uh, you know, do something else in a superhero world. Uh, it's going to be interesting to hear her story uh, in season two, hear why, hear how, um, because <laughs> Billy is not going to take this very lightly. The, the one thing I will say and I'm not going to get too much into the ending because I, I want to let us work our way there. Uh, I want to talk about one more character before we um, get into the ending and wrap up. But um, the thing I thought was the funniest was when <laughs> Homelander walks up to the kid, the kid looking just like Homelander, and he goes, hey, kid, I'm your dad. And I'm kind of like, as the viewer, like I did it, it was for the kid, but as the viewer – I'm like, you didn't no have shit. to tell me that. I'm like, yeah, he looks just like you, dude. Like, I felt the same way in um, Superman Returns, where it was kind of like, this kid doesn't look like uh, Mars, and this kid looks just like Brandon Ralph. <laughs> like, that's Brandon Ralph's kid. Like, <laughs> who are we fooling here? Um, so I thought that was just really funny, because I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. That didn't give me the effect that, like, I assumed it might have given other people. I looked right at that kid, and I'm like, oh, that's his kid. Like, <laughs> before he said anything, I'm like, nope, that's his kid. Um, but, yeah, this show does not mind uh, killing babies, apparently. So um, that's something I guess here we're going to have to warm ourselves up to for season two. Um, oh. It does not look like they shy away from the possible death of children. Um, very unfortunate because it's hard to watch. Really, really, yes. really hard to watch. Um, but like I, again, I'm predicting it now. I'm predicting it now. Billy Butcher is going to kill the kid. Like I'm predicting it right now, and I know nothing. <laughs> he's going to kill the kid. <laughs> like something's going to happen. He'll at least punch that kid in the face. Like at, at the <laughs> minimum, he'll at least punch that kid in the face. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was. I would say this. I would say if Homelander could grab Billy in enough time. Um, to get him out of that burning building, it is a good chance he could have grabbed the baby. So, I mean, it is possible. Do I think it, it actually happened that way? No. That baby no. is probably as dead as his mother. 
He did not uh, like that baby. He was jealous of that baby. He was 100% jealous of that baby, which is, again, very weird characters we're talking about here. Um, But I want to talk about somebody we have not talked about. She is indeed my biggest crush out of everyone I have a crush on, and that is the amazing Karen Fukuhara, who played just as simply the female. Uh, Tia, what were your thoughts on Karen's character as a female? Oh, she made an entrance. If if ever there was an entrance, she made it. The fact that she goes flying out of that freaking cage, just slaughtering those dudes, and that one guy who walked in and literally killed himself because he'd rather die that way than her ripping him to shreds. Oh, holy shit. Um, that was insane. But I liked her a lot. Like, she was such this, like, mystery character because obviously she was caught in this cage and she has these abilities and shit like that but just then you get those moments of her being very kind of soft and we learn a little bit more about her background and I liked how she just really wanted to you know go back and then help her brother I mean there was so much about her that even though she didn't say anything, you still were able to put together this picture of her throughout the season. And so much with, of course, reflecting on Frenchie. I like the relationship there that he really kind of had her warm up to him so that it didn't seem like she was just this kind of like uh, crazed killing machine. You know, she's just obviously she was kidnapped, went through traumatic events, thrown into a world that she did not want to be thrown into. Um, But there was, you know, something still in her. Like I love the little parts where you see her in the bathroom and she's straightening her hair and she's doing her nails. Like she still wants to feel human. And I really like that about her. Um, She is, certainly not one to mess with. And again, going back to our mystery dude, Black Noir, I love that fight between them. I wish that lasted longer because that shit was badass. Um, So yeah, I have to say that I really like the the female. And correct me if I'm wrong, I do think that her real name is Kamiko. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I, I'm I'm right with you. I loved everything about her character. I, I do hope there's a funny scene in season two's trailer, uh, to where they're all arguing and then she just says something and they're like, "You yes. didn't talk like you you <laughs> this talked this whole time. You've been sitting here drawing pictures and stuff. Well, you could just tell me what you want. Um, th- that would be hilarious. Uh, and I think it would be so. a crime." to not have Karen talk. Uh, I just love Karen so much. Her katana was everything for me. Uh, like I, I remember it, it was the height of our of our Facebook page. Everyone was like, I'm so in love with Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie looks amazing. And I was just like the lone guy, like, nah, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about katana. Like, I could care less about Harley. I'm katana all the way. <laughs> uh, everyone told me how crazy I was. I'm like, I, I can care less. Is Karen Fukuhara? Like says yes to me. I yeah, I have your Harley Quinn. Like I'm, I'm good with Katana. Um, but no, her character was definitely not one to mess with. I'm still unsure on what her powers. Is. We know she can heal. Uh, that is not yes. something uh we know uh about the rest of them. Um, necessarily. 
Uh, because when um, why can't I think of his name right now? Um, the guy that could run fast. Uh, why am I going blank? He's trained. Because you don't like Thank him. <laughs> I do not like him. Thank you. That that is why I'm going blank. Um, he, a lot of people would say like, oh, he can heal too, but. I've seen basketball players get that kind of leg injury and surgery fixes that. So, like, that's not uh, an injury that, like, you would die uh, die from necessarily. So, that doesn't really need a healing factor. So, we're not really well, sure the only, to the extent. Go ahead. The only, reason, the only reason why he was healed was because he had taken compound Z. Really, his brother well, even pointed that out. I thought he went out. to the hospital. I thought he went to the well, hospital. I thought that's how he healed. He... Um, it's. I think he did go to hospital, but when he was pulling the train, his brother says, "Like, man, you're not supposed to be on that." The doctor said that you're supposed to take it easy, you know. And he's like, "No, no, no, I'm good." And he goes, "You shouldn't have healed that fast from this. You're back on that shit, aren't you?" Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. I got you now. Yep, I remember it. I remember that scene. Then he yells at his brother, telling him he doesn't need him, and then his brother just bounces. Um, yeah, I remember that now. I remember that. Um, but no, the, the female, I think there's more to her power set than we know, um, and I can't wait to see it. That fight with Black Noir was freaking amazing. Uh, again, it did bother me, him throwing all those daggers. It's like, you should either have a distinctive power, like power set, or have, like, a big sword or something. Like, I, I'm very huge on people that dress in all black having swords. Um, it's just my <laughs> bias for characters that dress in all black. Um, but, no, I, I thought that fight was, was awesome. And then it's like, oh, man, he, he killed her. Like, dang. And then it's like, wait, no, not so fast. Frenchie is, is another one of my favorites. Uh, I love this character. I don't think he cares as much about that uh, girl he was dating. Uh, no. is, is, is much as she probably cared for him, but um, I, I guess that's the kind of relationship that they had. Uh, I am although that was, would... although that was a hilarious side character to me because she was like, she was so willing, like, she knew the shit. As soon as she was like, they have all our shit burned, hangs up, smashes her phone, he goes, do it, and she blows up their apartment like nothing, and then she, like, grabs them by the balls at some point, and she's like, you better freaking come home, or some shit like that, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> she was, like, to me, the most hilarious, like, minor character. Yeah, no, her character was definitely enjoyable. Uh, she was not one to take anyone's crap, um, but I, I will say that um, I am curious. I would love to ask the showrunner or the writers um, when you the relationship between Frenchie and um the female, like is that just a friendship? Is that something that you want to develop? And the main reason why I have that question is because when I spoke with um uh the the girl who plays Wonder Girl, Connor Leslie, I believe is her name, uh, who plays Wonder Girl on Titans, she was saying very specifically that Robin and Wonder Girl had never dated. Like, they're just, like, brother and sister. And she was saying how important that is to uh, make sure people understand that so that they never have to worry about, like, a love angle happening between them. It's just a really cool friendship. And it would be weird if they did date, mainly because we know Bruce and Diana dated uh, in in the the cartoons and in the comics. So it's kind of like Robin is Bruce's son, 
Power Girl is like Diana's daughter, so it's like it, it just it sets up for a really weird angle. Uh, but I am I am curious because Frenchie did seem protective of her, kind of understood her. She understood him. Is that because they, uh, you know, are they're looking to be really good friends, or are they looking to to kind of move on with with the love angle? I was curious, Tia. How did you see it? Did you see it like something romantic, or or just they understood each other? I think it was more so that they were kindred spirits because Frenchie had that story of uh, saying that he was taken essentially by his father and all he wanted to do was go back to his mom, similar to how she was taken and all she wants to do is go back to her brother. I think that if anything, he just kind of found someone that understood him um, and that he could understand. I'm not sure if it's going to so much go into a romantic relationship. I mean, it certainly seems like they could be setting up for that because as we just said, it doesn't seem like he so much cares for that other girl as, um, uh, as she cares about him. I, what I do think is hilarious is that Frenchie was getting on Mother's Milk's case the whole time for being so lovey-dovey with his woman. And he's like, oh, I get to with a, a different girl every night, blah, blah, blah. But then he's sitting there literally calling her Monke, which is, my heart in French. So, <laughs> Frenchie, you definitely felt a little hard for the female. You just don't want to admit it. Juan? Sorry, I was talking the whole time to have myself muted. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I thought something was on my phone. I was like, no. no. No, you're fine. It was it was my fault. I was saying it'll be interesting to see how that relationship grows between the two of them, um, and if it's just truly just a friendship. Because I'm sure someone in, in in the group is gonna go, "Are you two like dating?" And then like you'll maybe see her make a face and him go, "No, no, of course not." And it's like <laughs> you're totally dating. Like you guys are dating. Um, so that'll definitely probably be brought up a hundred percent in season two. I'm just really looking forward to season two, but be- before we get into what we would like to see next season, let's talk that quote unquote shocking season finale, uh, in the very last moment of the episode, by the way, to you, I'm not the only one who said they saw it coming. My, um, my dad, uh, also like he put it on Facebook, uh, maybe yesterday, he was like, great show, had an amazing time, but I definitely saw this coming. Like, this, I, it, it was kind of obvious. And the reason why I said I thought it was obvious was because the more they kept talking about her, and, the, and then when he had that moment with her sister, where he was kind of like, she, she could still be out there. Like, you know, there's no one in, in, in the grave. I kind of was like, uh, she's still alive. Uh, they, 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 they're going to go this route. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know if I'll like it. I'll obviously have to wait to see how they play it out. Now I have to wait till next year to see how they play it out. Um, but, it just, it, like, again, when I say I saw it coming, it does not mean it's a negative. It just means it, it kind of started to become obvious. Um, the more they talked about her, the more they showed her. And then that moment with, it, uh, with her sister, I was like, yeah, it kind of feels like she's still alive. Um, I did not see the angle coming of uh, her having, um, what's his name's kid, uh, Homelander's kid. I did not see that coming. Um, but, Tia, 
I'll go to you. How shocked were you to, to find out she was still alive, let alone she actually did have the kid that 30 different stories told us the kid did not make it. Uh, one of them was really brutal. Um, mm-hmm. like, it was insane. But uh, what were your thoughts in that final moment? Well, I mean, first of all, I did think that she was dead and that the baby had died based on that really horrific flashback and also from the point that, and I know that you don't want to necessarily know what happened in the comics, but spoiler alert, I guess, in the comics, she she does die from childbirth. So that was definitely a shock and something that they deviated from in the show. But as soon as Homelander was saying to Madeline that, the story that that old guy had told him wasn't true and that he went back and was able to get the truth out of him. I go, well, what's the truth? And then I slowly started sitting there and go, is she still alive? And as soon as you see a butcher out on the yard and they're at some home, it's like, okay, well, what home are they at? And then she, first of all, the kid walks out. So I thought, Maybe the kid survived, she died, and so they're visiting the kid at maybe some foster family or something. But no, then she walked out, and she looked so shocked and terrified. And to me, I think that what happened, this is my theory, that they essentially paid her off and got her essentially into like a witness protection and said, you know, in order for you to essentially not be terminated, because we do that sort of thing to protect our image, you can never reach back out to your husband or your family ever again. So I don't think necessarily she did all of that willingly. I think that that was probably put on her from boss. But yeah, to me, I don't know. I didn't really see it coming because you were like, well, I saw the end coming. And I was like, I really didn't. (laughs) I really didn't know where they were going to go with it after um, Butcher seemingly exploded the whole entire uh, house that he and Madeline were in. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that angle. I, I think maybe they did, but I honestly think her sister knew. I think her sister knew that she was still alive. I think that's why I said I think they're going to go the route of Homelander kind of force themselves um, on, uh, on on her character and that's why, like, she feels ashamed that, uh, you know, she didn't have a kid with Billy, that she essentially uh, cheated on Billy. And I think she was in such shame, she accepted the idea of never being able to reach out to him again, just because she didn't have a way to explain it, especially if Homelander didn't uh, force himself on her, and she willingly did it. Um, so I think there's a whole bunch of different ways that they could go. I think you could even go the route of, um, you know, she wanted to do it, and she kind of throws that in Billy's face. Uh, but th- like I said, the reason I, I kind of felt that was actually it was two scenes. The second scene was when I knew for sure she was still alive. The first one was, like I said, when Billy was talking to her sister, um, that kind of put seeds of doubt in my head. And then the second one was when the kid, um, not the kid, the guy was getting beat up by Billy in the bathroom and said, I could help you find your wife. Um, I was kind of just like, find her. She, she's dead. Like, What could you help him with? And I was like, ah, what if she's not dead? And that's what he was saying. He kind of felt like 
she's still out there somewhere, man. I, I, I could help you. Um, so, I mean, there's so many different ways they can go with it, but it just, even if I didn't see it coming, it just wasn't that big of like a, a moment for me that I was kind of just like blown away by. Um, cause I think there could have been better ways to kind of showcase that, but the way they did it was, was fine. I just I felt like I, I saw it coming. Um, but with us seeing everything that we saw, um, us being left with the team still being fugitive, Starlight potentially on her way to, to possibly being a fugitive, and um, they they no longer have a handler. They do not have a handler at this very moment. Um, Homelander killed their handler. Um, where do you see it going in season two? Well, I have a quick question uh, for you before yeah, we get into absolutely. that, Juwan. Did you um, – actually, a two-sided question now that I think about it. The one is, did you see Homelander killing Madeline, and do you think that Homelander forced himself upon Becca, or do you think that she did it willingly and she was just maybe ashamed? Um, first question, I I thought Madeline was going to die. How? I, 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 I did not know. I thought maybe Billy would kill her. Um, but I can't act as if, like, I knew she was going to die. I just kind of felt like she wasn't going to make it out. But how? I did not know. She ended up dying possibly one of the worst ways anybody died on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was pretty brutal. Um, and the thing with um, Mrs. Butcher and Homelander, it's confusing to me only because it's like if she wasn't forced, why? Like, she was at the party with Billy, left Billy to then go cheat on him. Why? Like, it didn't seem like, and again, this we'll find out in in season two more of their relationship. Because remember, we saw it only from Billy's eyes. We don't know that she was happy. We we don't know that uh, Billy wasn't maybe abusive, maybe, um, you know, never there, whatever. Drank too I mean, much, they could yeah. Say anything. Right. They, they could go They could go any route. So we only have one person, uh, you know, telling of that story. So I don't want to jump on her and immediately say, like, how how dare you cheat on me? Love you. Like, we, we don't know. And anytime they only show you one person's point of view, usually means because the other person's point of view is usually different. Um, so that very well could be the case that, um, you know, she did it because she felt as though she needed to find some way to get out of that relationship. I think where some of the, um, shame on her end comes from is that she had Homelander's kids. Um, and I think that's more so what, what shamed her the most, but I would not be shocked at all. Um, if Homelander forced himself, like it just it seems more likely than her just weirdly cheating on him out of nowhere. Yeah, and I will say that again, not to keep referring back to the comics, but in the comics he does force himself upon her. Um, but I'm wondering if they then decide to have given that storyline to the to the deep instead. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. I feel like with the wife 
being alive as well as well with the child that opens up to them maybe having changed the story a bit. And as you said, um, we didn't see her point of view. Obviously, her and Homelander had a bit of a relationship beforehand, not you know so much romantic, but in the case of what you call it, that they worked together. You know, he was all happy that she was taking over his Twitter page, right? So they clearly have had interactions before with each other. Yeah, no, definitely. That's why I said it's more to the story. Um, But before everyone jumped down her throat, like, how dare you? How could you? This man is a superhero for you. Um, As soon as I was saying that, I was like, someone's going to get pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because if you do look at it purely just from Billy, then he he, he waged war for her. Um, and it's very likely that it could be for no reason. This is all something that was orchestrated, obviously not to this extent, but the idea of her wanting to be with Homelander uh, and her wanting to find a way out of the relationship. It's very likely that could be the case. But if it's not, I would not be shocked that Homelander uh, – Force themselves. Uh, I yeah, wouldn't no. either. I'm sorry. I, it was another no, case no, no. where I was on mute. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're good. Um, so before we wrap it up, what are some of the things you are looking forward to uh, in season two? Well, I definitely want more interactions of Frenchie and Mother's Milk. I want to know if poor Mother's Milk. Uh, wife will take him back because the last we saw she had told him never to speak to her again. I was like, no, you guys have such an amazing relationship. Don't do that. Um, But I want to see where uh, the female goes if we see more of her powers. I definitely want to know more about Black Noir. I am really interested to know if the show goes in the same direction that the comic books because I think that's really going to shock a lot of people. Obviously, seeing the fallout of uh, Madeline being killed, is it going to be that big of a deal? Or with a huge company like Vought, are they just going to simply put another person in her chair and it's going to be like nothing? Um, If they keep the quote-unquote seven together, we obviously see that they're down two people and potentially they could be down three or four people, depending on how A-Train airs and if Starlight decides to go back. So they're going to have to figure out if there's more superheroes to take those other places or if at that point the Vought completely disintegrates. Obviously, I think the big thing is that we saw in this uh, season is that supervillains are made because they weren't there before. They were just superheroes. And as Homelander kind of was almost gleefully explaining, he gave the compound B to some really bad guys around the world so that he could essentially create the need for people like him because obviously, quote-unquote, mere mortals couldn't go up against these uh, bad guys who now have superpowers. So that's going to be really interesting to me to see. And... I know I keep talking about him just because it is interesting to me, you know, where the deep storyline is going to go. Is he going to actually come back? I mean, we saw him 
break down and shave his head and everything, or is that really the last that we're going to see of him? So to me, I felt like they left a lot open, and I know that I kind of disregarded the main thing, which was obviously finding out that Butcher's wife is still alive, but there are so many other things that we need to know moving forward. I'm I'm sure in your case, uh, Joan, you'd be more than happy if A-Train was out of the picture altogether, but we'll have to see if that's actually the case. And um, I want to know if Teddy lives, all right? I'm, I don't want the baby to have died. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. See, that baby's dead. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say... <laughs> I will say um, I, I'd be fine if A-Train survived, just recast them. I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with that. Um, but, no, I, I want to see more of Huey. I want to see more of um, how Huey grows into uh, the idea that this is his life now, um, that they'll probably never not be on the run, um, and how that possibly affects their, their family being in witness protection. Um, because they're in witness protection, and I think the seven, if they wanted to, could find out where they are. Um, so that, I'm sure, will come into play at some point. I really thought Simon Pegg wasn't going to make it out of the season. I really thought he would definitely be one of the guys oh, yeah. um, that would that would try to be a hero, save his son, and then, like, get the laser through, like, the heart or something. So I was really shocked that he survived. Um, so more Simon Pegg next season then I guess. Um, but no, I definitely want to see Frenchie in the female, uh, Mother's Milk, Starlight, but Billy's story is definitely the one that intrigues me the most, how that all plays out, because it started from Billy, uh, it started because of Billy, and it'll be interesting to see, and I would be really interested to know if that lady who trained Billy knew that his wife was still alive, and if that comes into, into play at all. Um, because I would not be shocked if she heard something, uh, you know, through the grapevines and then just, like, chose not to believe it, Um, but she heard it. She heard about it. Um, So I'm pretty sure that would be, like, the first person Billy looks to hunt down. And, and, like, remember, Billy is there with Homelander. So, like, if you're Homelander, do you let Billy live after this, knowing that he tried to kill, uh, you know, your entire team? Um, So just a lot can be played out that would be very 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 interesting to see actually be played out um so those those are some of the biggest things that i'm looking forward to and i would like to see that there's more uh all i don't want to say authentic but more genuine heroes that come into the picture like they just want to be actual good guys um because i would like to see one or two characters team up with starlight to go against the seven um i I did see that I did see that as um, a critique on few on a few blog sites that people were saying, you know, that there were no actual heroes in this show. Um, I, I would argue that that was supposed to be the point, but um, as you said, that so much really can't stay the course in a second season. So it would be nice to see people who are on Starlight's page who just want to help as well. I would be completely down for that. I say give Huey freaking powers. Give him compound V. Um, I- I'm fine with that. That would be so funny and interesting to me. Or if you find out something like uh, freaking 
Butcher has had powers this whole time that he doesn't even know about. So essentially, he became exactly what he hated. Yeah, I could see an instance to where either that or Billy kind of feels like there's nothing else to do. I'll just take it myself um, and see if doing that is how I can stop Homelander. I could see him doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff to try to uh, mm-hmm. kill Homelander for um, for doing everything he did to him. Uh, but nonetheless, we both agree that season one was a lot of fun. We can't wait for the announcement that they'll be making a season two and then the actual oh. uh, release of season two. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to, in- sorry to interrupt you. Uh, the Boys has been confirmed for a second season. It was confirmed before uh, the first season even hit Amazon Prime. So definitely oh, okay. that we were extremely happy with what they saw. So I must have had a, a lot of good test screenings, which makes sense. It's a freaking amazing show. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the idea that we have the Umbrella Academy coming uh, with their season two, at some point we will have um, the boys season two. I can't wait. Hopefully they fast track it. Don't rush it, but fast track it. Um, mm-hmm. Around this time next year would be great. Like start filming soon and around sometime next year we can get it back. Um, and June Patrol yeah. season two. Yes. Doom Patrol, and see, uh, I'm excited for Titan season two, also. Okay, all right. No, I know you're not that big of a fan, but it was a good. It was a solid season one. I do get you a little bit on on the issues you had, but come on, that Robin, come come on now. Robin um, was great. Robin was great. <laughs> so that's definitely what I'm looking forward to the most is more Robin. I told Joel. I said if they um if they come to to New York Comic Con, you guys are gonna have to have like pepper spray ready because there's no way I'm not hugging Britain. Like the first time I saw him, I was just in awe and I was like, ah, this is awesome. Second time I see him, I'm getting a hug. Like I'm I'm getting a genuine hug. Uh, just be aware of that. Uh, but no, hopefully the boys, the cast of the boys, are at New York Comic Con. I think that'd be dope. I I don't see what reason they would have to be. But if they are, that'd be so freaking awesome. Um, but Tia, I want to thank you again for joining me for another uh, Geek, Vi- Geek Vibes Live review for the boys. We both love this show. Can't wait for season two. Everyone listening, stay tuned for uh, an interview. A few interviews we have coming this week. Um, they're all going to be great. I'll wait uh, to tell you guys what they are. Um, <laughs> but thank you again, Tia. Thank you, Geek Vibes Nation. And we will see you guys same time, same place next time. Peace. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.